Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters, and welcome to episode 17 of the Convo podcast with brother Dean Musad. Um, tonight's topic, inshallah, is homelessness, which of course is a topic that yeah, touches our hearts and is close to all of our hearts, inshallah. Um, perhaps most significantly because it's inspired by the values given to us by Islam to take care of those who are in need. Um, and uh, on that note, um, as a representative of Brothers in Need, um, our guest for tonight, inshallah, Dean Musad, we will come on the other side of this short introductory break to have a very intriguing conversation with tonight's guest, inshallah. Stay with us. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Um, okay, so we've got, as uh, Sufyan mentioned, we've got Brother Dean Musad with us today from Brothers in Need. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair. Thank you very much for being here today with us. Thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, a very important topic the issue of homelessness, the issue of, um, I think we had it titled Live a Day in My Shoes. Yep. Um, so, sort of understanding the experiences of those who are living it rough. Living it rough. Tough, you know, who aren't quite as fortunate as we are. And we wanted to explore sort of a whole range of issues to do with that. So not just looking at one, but sort of what are perhaps the causal factors? What are our responses? What do they entail? What do we as a community uh, do about it? Or what can we do about it? And obviously then looking at organisations such as uh, Brothers in Need to get a bit more of an insight um, in that regard, inshallah. But I guess we can start off by just uh, asking for a... An introduction. Um, so, Brother Dean Musad, if you could introduce yourself uh, to our audience, inshallah, and your organization as well. Allah be with you. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, a brief introduction about uh, myself and the organization. Um, alhamdulillah, Brothers in Need started in 2015. Yep. It is a registered non-for-profit. Yep. Uh, we've got an office in New South Wales and Queensland. Alhamdulillah. One of the, probably the most popular programs is the homeless program, the homeless outreach program that we run. Uh, but alhamdulillah, we've got a plethora of other programs that we run for the community, uh, from youth programs to nursing home programs to programs in respite centres yep. for people with different abilities uh, and emergency campaigns uh, all within the Australian demographic. Uh, so alhamdulillah, I'm sure, you know, uh, as we venture off into today's conversation, yep. we'll get into the crux of homelessness. Um, but I think for me... One of the reasons as to why um, I wanted to give back to the homeless community, um, and it's funny that uh, like where we feed the homeless in Sydney is in Martin Place. Yep. Now I used to work at the Reserve Bank of Australia in Martin ah, Place. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much the same spot, right? That we uh, were we're there offering the outreach program. But what I used to do for a number of years working there... Yep. Um, could you just, sorry, could you just um, raise your mic up? a little bit? Sorry, yep. we just got some feedback from the audience saying it's not as clear. Sorry, That's guys better. and That's girls, better. is that better? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. So um, what used to happen is for a number of years when I used to walk into Martin Place, yeah. 
you see people on the side of the street, um, you know, with a sign up or with their head yeah, out. Yeah, we've all seen that, yeah. You walk straight past them, right? So naturally in our minds, you know, in my mind, used to think the worst. Mm. Right? And one of those questions that we're going to come across yeah, later yeah, is about sure. that reluctance to and give. Not only, often not only do you just walk past, you almost like look away and yeah. you try to avoid eye avoid contact it, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get on your phone or That's something. That's right, yeah, you, you pretend, pretend to schedule a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and subhanAllah, like over the span of time when you actually break down those barriers and you go out, out of your comfort zone and you have a conversation, you realise that, you know, the people that, maybe on the streets, mm. wherever they may be, uh, were like you or me, are like yeah. you or me, right? And so I think it's just about humanising their mm. plight and um, I guess really um, going through those stereotypes and really yeah. just you know treating them as a human that needs support. Because I guess we see the end product, we don't see the story that led there, we don't see the pages and chapters and everything that's led to that person being in that particular situation. Um, but one thing is just striking just on your story is that you worked at the Reserve Bank of Australia, a bank, like money, 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 that's what it is. And right outside of it, you've got those who have none of it. So it's literally a separation of like a building, you've got everything there, you've got nothing here. And that's, I think that's just a stark parallel and one that is probably a little too representative of our society, unfortunately. One question I'd like to ask, and I, we tend to ask this question to a lot of our uh, guests because they come from such diverse backgrounds. So... A lot of what we call on to the, a lot of who we call on to the program are people who have basically different set of specialized skills. You know, people who have worked as support, learning support teachers, um, uh, people who work who work in the field of sort of special needs with children, and then of course uh, yourself as uh, someone who's working with uh, the homeless or for the homeless. Um, what I want to ask is, can you point to something specific? Um, that was your source of inspiration Something in Islam Like not a specific ayah or hadith But just Because we grew up as Muslims right And then there's something there in our deen That pushes us to this work I want to know what was it for you I think for me from a young age uh, I like to help people Yeah. Right. So this is something that was uh, uh Instilled in me from a young age, from mum and dad, yep. um, you know, from a very young age, from three, four, five years old, right? You see something, you want to do something about it. Obviously, as you grow, um, you know, you might be put in different environments where, you you know, you might not uh, embody those ethics and morals. Yep, yep. And that's kind of, you know, something that happened from about 18 to 24. Uh, I kind of left maybe those morals uh, uh, okay, and yeah. ethics at home. Everyone has that little time in their life yeah. where they're like doing their own thing. Yep. Yeah. So um, okay. I think um, after any death experience for me, I was like, okay, you know what? Um, I think we need to kind of go back into, mm. uh, you know, the things that mom and dad taught and uh, really start applying them. Mm. And that's kind of where the journey started, I think, at the end of 2013. Okay. Um, kind of self-reflection, uh, thinking, you know what, if I keep engaging in particular uh, vices or lifestyle, yeah. um, and it was kind of more taking, taking, taking and not mm. giving. So it's kind of mm. different to what I was used to when I was a child. I was used yeah. to more giving as a child, not taking. And then, you know, kind of in those later teen years, uh, early 20s, take, take, take. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then kind of, you know, those moments started formulating in my mind. Mm. What are we going to do? Are we mm. going to keep doing those same things that have caused my destruction? Yeah. Right? Um, or are we going to change? Mm. And so that's kind of where, for me, uh, that journey started. And then I think uh, a year and a half later was, uh, you know, the establishment of Brothers in Need, yep, yep. where we could not just do it on an individual level, but then start rallying up, mm. uh, you know, the community, the wider community, to, I guess, 
embody these ethics and values and these principles that Islam has taught us. That's really nice. So you sort of flipped it on its head and say you don't want to always be in a position of receiving. You want to be on that giving end and then try and put some collectivism to it and build and amplify that effort. Inshallah. That's beautiful. Well, what's been the, if I can ask, the journey of the organization? So that was your personal thing. How would you chart the journey of the organization itself? Like what got you to think that Okay, I'm doing this, or you know, I'm, this is where I want to go. What took you from there to saying, "Here's an organization. This is what I need. This is the vehicle that I can use." And then, what happened with that? Like, I just want to know, sort of, a bit of the background, so our listeners can and viewers can get an idea of who Brothers in Need is. Yep. Not just the logo and the name, but a bit of personality to it. Yep. So I think for me, because I used to. I used to love rallying people up. Yep. Right. So I'd like to think the personality that I've got, mm. I can rally up many different people. Yep, yep. Um, I can engage with different people on all different levels, whether it's children, the youth, <coughs> uh, males, females in appropriate context, yep. uh, so on and so forth. Right. So from the 18 to 24 years old that I was talking about, uh, I used to work in the entertainment industry and in the uh-huh, promotions okay. industry. So unfortunately, um, if you want to call it, we used to call people to haram. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I still running people up. But just for the opposite reason. (laughs) For for the opposite reason, reason, right? Um, And naturally, we might do that in our own Mm. little groups, right? It may not be on a mass level. Uh, You know, you might do something, you might call a friend, hey, let's go do something we shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same concept, right? But for me, I was able to make make So I guess you had the skill set. You had the skill (laughs) set. Yeah, I was able to scale it. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) in not so good. Yep, Yep, yep. So for me, I thought, you know what? Well, if I can call people to haram, then I'm Surely sure I can call people to call halal. People exactly. to halal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I think, where for me, um, setting up the organization mm. the way we did, registered non-for-profit, um, and then really just tapping into resources that we had, you know, mm. so whether it was social media, yep, the power yep. of social media is it's phenomenal. It's immense, yeah. Like we're on social media now, right? Exactly. <laughs> Showcasing this podcast. So for me... <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, it was about how can we really amplify and scale those efforts. Yep. And uh, social media was a way amongst word of mouth. And people just want to do good. Like I'm sure you've seen it before with the events yeah, that we might absolutely. be involved in. People want to do good. Oh, yeah. Muslims are phenomenally, mashallah, phenomenally charitable people. Yeah. Like any fundraiser you go to, any charity drive, they will empty their pockets. Like mashallah. Yeah. Muslims, and it's as Sufyan said, like, we've got something inbuilt in us, in our DN to try to help. But I guess mm. having organizations and things like that sort of channels that in a more productive way. I think way. Um, when we say that, that Muslims are very generous, very charitable people, very true. But um, when you're walking on the streets, um, and Muslims are sort of no exception to this, I think that ties in neatly with that sort of question that I have in my mind about Reluctance to give Because mm. you're saying Very charitable But at the same time You see certain Good scenes point, yeah. And you're very reluctant to give um, I was in uh, Mount Drew Aldi uh, With the kids And I just parked my car and, I, and right in front of Aldi There's a guy with One of those typical posters That yeah. said I'm homeless um, And I've tried Actually it was a really long message I think he's Revised it Based on his experience Or something But he said that um, I have not gotten anything From Centrelink Okay And then it had a long message After that and again, you know, whether I gave to him or not is besides the point. But my point is, generally speaking, so many of us from what experience and, and not hearing from others are very reluctant when you see that to just pull out money and drop it and go. I want to know from your experiences why you think that's the case. So 
even for me myself being involved in this kind of mm. line of work, I might be reluctant to give money, right? Mm. But does that mean I stop at that thought? Yeah. No, okay, how do I innovate and do something different, right? So for me, even till today, whether they're homeless or not homeless, right, I could have a, a brother reach out to me. I could have someone reach out to me, Dean, um, I need 500 bucks, I need 1,000 bucks because of one, two, three. Yep. So say, for example, it's rent. Say, for example, it's a washing machine. I'll tell them, no problem. You'll verify to an extent, ask a couple of questions, right, without intruding, you're not a private investigator. Yep. But what you'll do is, okay, no problem, you need bond, you need rent, uh, tell me who your real estate agent is. And yeah, then we can I'll pay it. That, yeah. And yep. you pay it directly, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing as food or clothes or whatever. You can go to Woolworths, you can go to Best and Less, Big W, you can buy a voucher. Yeah. So till today, and I encourage a lot of people that I you know, have conversations with, you might see a sign and you might be reluctant to give. Yeah. Homeless or not homeless, no problem. Yeah. But do I leave it at that? Now, I remember there was a um, the, there was a lecture series I was listening to, uh, and this particular brother uh, he was saying that imagine this is the last opportunity you get mm. before Allah Subhanahu wa Taala takes, takes your soul. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave you an opportunity to do something. Yeah, are you going to leave that? And that could have been the thing that you need to, to get tip you over the, the scales, line, yes. to get you over oh. the line into Jannah. Oh. Or am I going to leave it at that kind of uh, stigma, at, you know, maybe those stereotypes that I had in my mind, whether my fault or not, could have been from my family, could have been from growing up, it could have been from society, right, could be from movies, could be from whatever. Yeah. Or am I going to change, you know, yeah. that status quo? If I, if I can, sorry, so sorry, I just want to have one more question because it's on, it's on think, that. It's I on that. you. <laughs> Um, just triggered by the <laughs> the mention of a private investigator, no jokes. Um, we're talking about because I was going to say good cop, bad cop, but I, w- I wanted to just push both good on. Cops. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to push you on that point a little bit, and if I can just be a little bit difficult here, um, it, it, if someone was to say you're skirting around the question, mm-hmm. um, and you're not answering in the sense that. Um, and by someone you mean you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't refer to some random third party. Yes. Are you with me? Or are you against me? Bad cop, good, good cop, cop, whatever. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> You're skirting the question. Okay. Look, some people, yep. uh, and I have people in my life that have said to me that, for example, um, you know what he said on the sign, for example, that Australia is a welfare state, um, and it's uh, everyone can get what they need from the Australian government if, as long as they're means tested. And they can prove this situation. So, and so they sort of use that with this other idea to say that it's always better to give to more trusted, you know. And when I say skirt the question, you know, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but what I mean is that if someone has this principled position in their mind, right, where they say, for example, that I will principally just give to someone who I feel a lot more comfortable with instead of some stranger on the street. Um, how would you sort of marry those two ideas together with what you're saying, which is that, you know, you may have your life taken, Verse and at the same time, um, but I've got this principle that I want to give to trusted sources only. Yep. So this principle, what is it based on? Number one, mm. right? Is it something that heck I just came across mm. myself to make me sleep better at night? Is it based on education? Is it based on statistics? What's it based on? Now, for a lot of us, stereotypes are not based on anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Other than what we've been fed. Like you said, what we see, what we've come to realize from whichever sources. Right. So... I should critique and challenge sometimes my own principles, right? Right. Sometimes, like in Islam, your fa- your fathers and your forefathers will teach you something. Of course, mm. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says you just followed them blindly, right? Mm. Is that something that they told you? This is maybe something 
for example, that could have been fed to us yep. through a conversation with a friend, for sure. a conversa- conversation mm. with myself, mm. conversation with the outsiders, whatever the case is. Mm. So is it based on fact? Mm. Now, let's go with your example that this is a welfare state. Um, how much money may they do they give to someone that might be out on the street? How much money would they give to someone who's doing it tough, uh, whether it's COVID subsidy, whether it was a single mother with mm. a child? Break it down. You know, a single mother, for example, might get eight hundred bucks, a thousand bucks a fortnight. Yeah. Let's say twelve hundred bucks a fortnight. Okay, we want to talk numbers. Let's talk numbers, right? Single mother, depending on her circumstances, yep. if she's pays rent, how much rent she's paying, uh, if her child has a disability or not, right? How much is she getting? Getting a thousand, a thousand one hundred a fortnight. Mm. How much is rent? Well, probably half that. You if told me more. something before we jumped on the podcast. You used <laughs> yeah. to live in Greenacre. Oh, yeah, it would be well above that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now you moved to another part of town, right? So why? Because it might be cheaper out those mm. neck of the woods, yep. which is fine. Yep. Right? This is for you and I who might work, yeah. who might have dual income household, right? So after rent, like rent in my household will be 500 bucks a week yeah. in Greenacre, 500 bucks a week for a granny flat. Mm-hmm. Now, at two weeks, it's a thousand bucks. How much money do you have for groceries? How much money do you have for electricity, for water, for phone bills, for rego, for tolls, for mm. medicine, four, 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 four? Mm. So, putting those figures in mind that the state might give us money, mm. is it enough? Mm. Or will I have to choose shelter over food or mm. food yeah, over yeah. shelter? Mm. And that that's when it comes Yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But, um, I, I wanted to ask something as well. Um, sorry to cut you off. I might be skirting you around the question. <laughs> no, again, no, 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 no. But uh, like I was telling um, uh, Brother Hamza before you left, um, I'm going to be asking nah. a lot of questions back to make us think. Let's do it. No, I was, no, I think it's great. I, I think that's I was great. There, right? I was there, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think that for the limited time that we have in our podcast, that's a pretty legit and yeah. a comprehensive answer. Okay. But what I want to ask <laughs> is this. Look, I, and I've felt this myself, and I'm going to assume that people have felt that as well. Which is that when you see that person there, you're pulled in two directions. One is that charitable instinct that, okay, just give, just help them out. And like honestly for me and again probably for most is that you think, okay, my intent is to help. What this person uses it for is up to them. I have no control but my intent is this. But then on the other hand, you've just heard these anecdotal stories of how you know, people will take that money, use it for illegitimate purposes, perhaps even worsen their condition or gamble it or whatever it might be. And then you think, okay, should I, like, what if I'm actually enabling something that's negative for them here? Like, and I'm, I'm always feeling tugged in those directions. And honestly, like, I, I don't know where I stand most of the time. Like, what can we say about that? Because I feel like there's a lot of legitimacy to both sides. Yep. How can we understand that kind of thing? Yep. So I guess if there's a will, there's a way, right? <clears throat> so with or without you, yeah. whether you help or not, somebody else will provide for them. Mm. We know that from an Islamic perspective, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for them their sustenance, yep. just like it's written for us. right? So whether it's coming from you, whether it's not, mm. right, this might apply. So for me, what I would do is, and you know, when you come, you know, inshallah, you guys will come out one time in the future, inshallah. we don't give money, for example, right? Mm. We might give uh, a hot a hot meal, yeah, a yeah. hot food pack, non-perishable pack, sanitary, the basic essentials, right? Um, depending on the season, it might be um, blankets, socks, yeah, whatever's beanies, required, yeah. whatever's required to support. Now, that's one element of the service that we offer. Mm. Now, part of it as well is we were saying before getting the youth involved in this. So we want the youth now to step outside of where they're at and get involved and do something good. Mm. 
another element to this particular program yeah, yeah, service gotcha. is we're Muslims and this is dawah. No, 100%. It's yeah. dawah, right? That's a critical part of it, not yeah. just this like an the part accidental of it. addition. Yeah. That's right. This is, this is the core yeah. of what we do. Absolutely. Right? And it's dawah through actions, through character, through mannerisms. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, look after your neighbor. Right? How many doors down? Mm. 40. Right? This is our neighbor. He's our neighbor. Absolutely. We're walking past if everyone them. looks at their own locality, that would be a great place to start. 100%. Yeah. You were saying in Mount Druitt, you know, where you live, you saw this man, this is down your road. Absolutely. Right? So for us, I think we need to look at it not just from one lens, but many lenses. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, for example, on Saturday doing this work, we had a gentleman, um, long story short, father, three kids, three girls under the age of 10 on the streets oh, with him, right? Yeah. Um, now, we were able to secure him some accommodation, get him some food on a regular basis. After, right, these interactions with us, interactions with us a month ago, he's like, look, man, I'm a Christian, and the Christianity of today isn't what it was like the Christianity mm. of a year, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, so on and so forth. He was talking, he was talking about Islam, and Islam, 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 Islam. On Saturday... Accepted Islam with us. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Now we don't go out on social media, look at us, mashallah, yeah, yeah. we got all these yeah. shahadas. But alhamdulillah, over the span of years, alhamdulillah, he says, and we don't want, me personally, I don't want to see my fruit here. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather see it on the Day of Judgment course, so it doesn't corrupt the intention. But this could be something where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, listen, like, no problem. Like, mm. you guys are doing what you can in your own little, you know, it's very circle. nice. And it provides a much broader sort of holistic view of what the work is, that there's yeah. da'wah element to it, yeah. and there's obviously the financial element, but also you're cognizant that sometimes it's a meal that the person needs, not necessarily... It's very good. I, very think, good um, I think that's probably, that probably addresses a lot of the issues that people have, which is just give the thing that's required, not you know money or you know just whatever you can spare from your pocket. Um, but um, uh, well, there was um, another question, I forget, subhanAllah. Um, I'll okay. let you gather your thoughts while yeah, I uh, ask my maybe, question. Maybe I skirt it again. No, you no, know? no. He didn't like. He didn't like that comment. <laughs> I'll have to talk afterwards. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I know this gets a little bit heavy. It's a bit of a loaded question, but um, another something that I had on my mind that I wanted to talk about tonight was: um, to what extent um, has has have your experiences sort of touched you on a personal level, like? Um, we can talk about the theories and we can talk about details and stuff, but I think the best stuff that people really want to know is what is it like you're out on the streets of, you said, Queensland, uh, Sydney. I'm sure there's been experiences that have touched you to your core. Can you maybe give us a little bit of a snippet on something that was a really deep and touching experience for you? Wow. Uh, well, there's probably so many. Yeah, I'm sure you've had yeah. very many. So there was a, a Muslim gentleman probably about four years ago. Uh, I'm going to try and condense this for yeah. the sake of time. Yeah. Uh, we were walking through Auburn, a friend and I, he asked us for some food. We were walking past, um, I can't remember which restaurant it was, um, student biryani. That's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no problem, I just want rice. Okay, well, I'm not going to be happy if you just have rice. We'd like chicken rice. Yep, yes, yep. no, yes, no, yes, no. Anyway, got him some food, uh, got him another plate for the day after, right? Yep. And this guy, he was the middle of winter, just like myself, probably wearing a T-shirt, <laughs> and he's freezing, he's cold. I'm like, well, you know what, you look too cold as well. Where, where are you, where are you going? Um, so we ended up going to Auburn Central, uh, buying him some clothes from Best and Less, Big yep, W, yep. I think a Big W it is. Went to Woolworths, uh, gave him like one of those green baskets, and buy whatever you like, right? 
So, you know, he's going in there and he's only buying, like, you know, uh, home brand bread, mm. home brand noodles, yep, home yep. brand tuna. For me, like I was saying before, grew up in the hills. Mm. Uh, for me, like, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, blessed me, with, you know, with a family that, alhamdulillah, was able to provide, you know, on many different levels. Yep. So, for me, you know, I was like, well, this is not right. You know, it's not acceptable, yeah, right? Yeah. If I eat a certain standard, you need to eat a certain yep. standard. So, anyway, he's like, look, um, we're going to go to my home. He wasn't homeless, right? But he got kicked out of uh, the accommodation that he was sharing. Oh, yeah. Went to see where he was living. He said, come down. So we went down this, you know, side door down the side of his house, right? I thought, you know, like I was saying before, coming up here, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the back, subhanAllah, and you can see that he's got clothes on a line, like a clothing line, uh, clothes, a blanket, to stop the wind from coming in, oh, you were sleeping man. outside in the balcony. He's made his own sort of makeshift home or yeah, room yeah, at yeah. the back. He's got his luggage bag on the floor. All the clothes are scattered on the floor, concrete, so he can sleep on it so the cold doesn't go through his body. Oh, Muslim brother, nice. right? Oh, so anyway, you know, he wanted a job. We were able to get him a job. Oh, alhamdulillah. Now this job, it gets interesting, right? So this job, it was an abattoir um, mascot. Yes, yes. The shift is from 2 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the Avo, 12-hour shift. Yep, yep. He got the interview. He got the job. The last train from Auburn was around midnight. Mm. So he needed to catch a train at midnight at midnight to get to Redfern or Central Station to take the bicycle mm. to Mascot to work there at 2 o'clock in the morning to do the same thing till 2 o'clock in the Avo, trek it back to Auburn. Uh, Eastern suburbs back to Auburn, that's a big trek It's as a big well. one, right? Yeah. After a 12-hour shift, yeah. you know, if it was a 12-hour shift, maybe from like 7 to 7, mm. no problem. You At get that time me? as well, yeah. yeah. Middle of the night. No problem, middle of the night is tough. For him to tell me after all of this, he's sending money back home to his family to mm. support mm. them. So for him, Muslim gentleman coming from, um, I believe it was subcontinent background, he was supporting his family, his mum, his dad, his wife and a sibling Overseas, oh, so he was man. eating that home brand uh, food, right? To save cost here, just so to he get by, back, yeah. so he can send it back overseas. And when I saw this man, like this, probably about four years ago, like it shook me to the core. Mm. Was that every step of the way, he was humble. Whether it was the food that he wanted in the beginning when I fe- first seen him, he just wanted rice. Mm. What do you mean rice? I wouldn't yeah. just eat rice. I, I don't know if we've gone to a Ramadan buffet recently. <laughs> did you just get <laughs> it's rice? It's not on your just plate? rice. I didn't just get rice. I probably got two, three plates, and I mixed it up with everything, yeah. right? To then, you know, living where he lived, mm. right? And then, like, we offered him, you know, to pay him uh, to pay his landlord money to get him back in there, but he didn't want to borrow mm. it. Subhanallah, with a lot of these um, brothers who are sending money back home, I can almost say. Like, even though I don't know, but I, I can almost say with surety that he probably wouldn't have let his family in the back home know yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't the have extent of his condition yeah. and what he's going through. There's here. a perception yeah. in, you know, in back home countries that yeah. if you're in Australia or if you're in America or the UK... You're whatever, in a position automatically to okay. send back money you're okay, um, but and support families so often back home and stuff. Yeah. not the case. Yeah. Like, we haven't even touched on... Like, we're talking about um, brothers in need here yeah. in Australia, Sydney, Queensland. I haven't even spoken about what goes on back home, which is... Hanlop. Infinitely just as bad, you could say. And these, these kind of stories, um, for me, one of the reasons why they send me out on the street uh, week after week, day after day, because like I was saying before, coming from a particular lifestyle, that can breed ungratefulness, mm. 
right? Especially living oh, in a yeah, society absolutely. like we, we do very fast pace, very yeah. go, go, go. You know, expenses are high, oh, dual yeah. income household. You don't have time to reflect on the blessings that Allah Azza wa mm. has given us. You can become ungrateful. Oh, why this? Why that? Oh, my God. But when I do this kind of work, for me, it kind of it brings me back down to the ground. Sure. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reminded me, alhamdulillah, like you've got you've clothes, got you've got a roof, you've got a dollar aside, you know, in the kitty, you got a wife, you got a kid, you got you got you got yeah. security. Yeah. That, honestly, that story is such a good reminder that hand on the sorry, shoulder sorry, means sorry, that, that yeah. <laughs> the hand on the shoulder means I take precedence at this yeah, point. No worries, bro. Now, speaking of giving, you know, I'm going to give you the chance to ask your question first, <laughs> oh, please. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Uh, it was more of a comment, but I'll take it nonetheless. Um, I think, honestly, many of us, if we do an audit of our lives right now, like, you could almost say, almost, like, obviously, we've all got our issues and difficulties, but it's almost like a perfect situation. You got your car, you got your food, you got your house, you got your family, and yeah, you're going to have your little troubles here and there, but honestly, like, you've got basically everything you need and we so need those kinds of experiences because yeah we'll complain about how much the rent costs but hey that means i've got a place you'll complain about your rego but hey that means you've got a car that's right like we've got so much that we can be thankful for subhanallah and you're absolutely right so often we just we don't realize and we just take it for granted we just whinge and complain about what we don't have yeah. Whilst we should be thankful about what we do have, I was gonna say. Um, I'll let you take it now. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna take it either way, but I was gonna say. <laughs> there's a beautiful hadith um, which I was coming to mind when you were saying, and I was just trying to look at the wording so I don't get it wrong. But yep. Abu Huraira radiallahu an narrated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Look at those who are beneath you, and do not yep. look at those who are above you." Such a beautiful reminder because when you're in those humbling experiences like that, you are constantly reminded that you know. In, when you do look at someone who's got a lot less than you, you're so much more grateful for what you have in your life. Like you're saying, mm. um, we live in circles where we're just constantly meeting people who are on a similar economic um, ladder, or like on a or similar place on the economic ladder. Um, so it helps sometimes to step outside of your circles and to go out. Um, but speaking of going out like that, um, we have a question on our Facebook page with a sister who's asking, "What can we do to get ourselves and our children?" Sorry, I'm just pulling that open again. What can we do to get um, our older teens and ourselves involved to help out on occasions with the homeless? So whether it's through Brothers in Need or any other organisations, for us, we've got a uh, volunteer section on our website. Mm-hmm. So they can jump on www.brothersinneed.org.au, go down to the bottom of the homepage, it should be a volunteer section. Yep. They can register their interest, and then from there someone will reach out to sure. them, put them through that process to come volunteer. But it's good that... This sister has reached out, uh, and I find that um, to give our youth, to give our children, uh, I guess, the best of examples or the best of advice, it needs to be modelled mm. through the parents. I, I believe the mum was saying, for my children and me to come out. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. sometimes people think, you know, here, take my youth Send and the kids, see you yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, so they can stay at home and kick back and <laughs> Netflix and chill, right? Yeah. But no. Yep. And we see like a lot of women, we see a lot of brothers, I see a lot of families that come out with their kids and support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was saying older teens and ourselves yeah. to get involved, Yeah, which is good. Of course, you go out with your kids and, and you model it for them yeah. because they look up to you more than anyone else. They'd be such critical learning experiences for you, like the entire family as well. Yeah. In um, debrief after as a family, mm. talk about what you saw, what you learned, uh, you know, and subhanAllah, like, you know, all it will take is that one experience yep. for you to realize, ah, there is a problem, yep. right? So whether it's uh, 
my responsibility, not my responsibility, because we can always go back and forward. Oh, but it's the government's responsibility. Mm. Uh, federal's, you know, state, state, federal. Yeah. Yeah, no problem, but the problem's still there. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to do something. 100%. And Islam, if you go throughout the ages, right, it proves and it provided a solution for every problem. Yep. So am I going to wait, whether it's, you know, we do this maybe in our own circles, am I going to wait for the sheikh mm. or for the alim or for, you know, the next person in hierarchy to do a particular thing? Or am I going to be proactive and I'm going to do it myself? <coughs> sure. At the end of the day, we've all got our own graves that we're going to enter. Exactly. And يعني, this is for, يعني, for myself, first and foremost. Yeah, that's critical. Um, I guess it, one thing that we've got not much time left, but one thing that we did want to ask, and we realize this is a multifaceted question. It's not something that you can sort of just have a throwaway answer to. But in your kind of estimation, what causes it? Like you were saying state, federal, this, that, whatever. And I'm not kind of coming from the angle of who do we blame, but more that how can we actually understand why this occurs? Because, you know, you think about it and – if it was a mathematics equation, it wouldn't add up. Yep. You've got heaps of money, you've got heaps of resources, you've got accommodation, and you've got all these resources, and you've got people who need them. So it should balance. But we don't. It doesn't balance. You've got the stuff, but people don't have it. Like, what's gone wrong? To what's add happened? to that question, so yep. on the same note as well, you know when you mentioned earlier that the government will give a certain subsidy to people who are living in those situations, like 1200 bucks, which I completely agree is grossly insufficient. But doesn't the government know that? Like, doesn't the government know that yeah, like, that this is the rent, the average median like, income and, and the rent, and this is what they're earning and this is what the subsidy is going to cover and not cover, um, given that Sydney is, I know a few years ago, because um, I was teaching this in a certain subject, in geography, but at some point, I think in 2017, we were the second most expensive yeah, city yeah. in the world after Tokyo. I think it's still at around that level. Yeah, and so, like, government's fully aware of all of these economic realities, and yet, like... Yeah, good question. Let's man. not skirt the question yeah, this time. Yeah, I'll try not to, man. Well, look, I can't speak on behalf of the government, right? <laughs> so, is that skirting? It's not skirting. No, no, no. It, I can't speak on their behalf. But um, I think going back to your question, uh, there's a few different causes, right, for homelessness. One of them could be the affordable housing, mm. right? Um, so lack of affordable housing, right? So once again, going back to the examples that we gave, you know, whether it's for someone like you and I that works a full-time job, you know, working a full-time job, whether I'm earning 1200 bucks a week, 1500 bucks a week, if I'm paying, you know, a third of that, half of that onto rent, yep, whether yep. it's rent, whether it's repayment, right? It's, it's, it's not an easy one. And I've got yeah. all the other bills uh, associated yep. with that. Um, it could be mental health issues. That's another one. Uh, you know, poverty, not having access to, you know, healthcare, um, divorce, Right, loss of a job. I think it was uh, with COVID. I can't remember the exact number, but I think at that point in time, X amount of people, uh, I can't remember if it was 200,000 or 2 million mm. people, uh, pretty much were about to hit that poverty line yeah, in, yeah, I remember in crisis, right? All, yeah. uh, big number. Uh, if we're talking of a population of 25 million or so, 2 million is a big number, right? Huge. Um, so for you and I, we may not be able to understand that where we are because we're not on that level, right, in terms of grassroots, right? Um, but I think, you know, a day or two or a week or two out seeing this and just having that conversation with that person, you'll you'll quickly pick up, wow, this person was like myself and then a year ago, happened, five yeah. years ago, but they went through a divorce. Uh, they had a mental health mm. uh, issue. Uh, you know, someone got incarcerated in their household, Um 
you know, so on, so they lost a job, mm. so on and so forth. And then from there, one thing mm. leads to the other thing. So in, in your experience, you'd say that for most who are doing it tough, there was some critical turning point. There was something that happened and that flicked the switch and that changed the situation. So from my experience, statistically speaking as well, we might think once again, um, quick label, you know what, this person's going to spend it on drugs and alcohol yep, and yep. cigarettes and you know what, they're all going to do that, right? We know we can't generalise, correct? So for us, if I really want to understand someone, you'll have that conversation with them. Mm. We might talk about the homeless person, but then apply this to your friend. Imagine if a friend of yours, a family member, yeah, your neighbour came to you and told you, one, two, three, I can't afford. Why do we treat that particular person differently mm. why are we willing to listen to a friend yeah. a family member and a neighbor who we might see regularly more than another human being this person's a human being and this person's a human being and they deserve they equally deserve shelter yeah. over their heads for example yeah. Yeah. access to clean water and yeah. so forth yeah and even like once again going back to the dawa from a dawa perspective <coughs> right we live in a country like this country is known as the land of opportunity mm. right um if we're two percent of the population as Muslims, it means 98% of the population is ready for what? Dawah. Is ready for dawah. Yeah. dawah yeah. So if yeah. I lived in Saudi Arabia, I'm not going to give dawah to no one, right? Because <laughs> they're for the Muslim. They need a different yeah. kind of dawah anyway. That's a different that podcast altogether. Podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I look at it as an opportunity mm. to relay the message. Now, some people might be, might be like, oh, what did the Prophet feed the homeless? Once again, you take it as you, as you want, right? But we've got to be able to, you know, help maybe people that are homeless, uh, people in different demographics that are struggling and be able to, you mm. know, serve. Because on the streets, you won't find Muslim organizations Sorry, I missed it. You made a reference to people say, what did the Prophet Sallallahu what were you saying earlier? So some people might say, right, oh, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu didn't feed the homeless or the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu didn't feed the non-Muslims, right? Mm. So you'll get a lot of that um, yeah, sentiment. That. Brother, you know, the Muslims, uh, not the non-Muslims. Yeah, we understand mm, right, yeah. the priority. Does that mean we only do one? Mm. We can do one and the other. Yep, yep. So it's just a kind of black and white yeah, thinking, yeah. you know, oh, you know what, it's only that or this. Of course. Right, and... And our, and our reality's changed a lot since his time as well. Yeah, he, you know, wasn't well. I guess there's a lot of parallels. If you look at, um, I remember reading in one of the books of Sirah, um, I think Ibn Ishaq. There was a beautiful quote. It touched me when I was uh, when I had read that for the first time. That at the time of the Prophet um, the he said that the Quraysh used to eat in plates of gold and silver, whilst the majority of Ahlul Mecca were fuqara. There were people who didn't like live, you know, with the same with the same means. Yep. In, in other words, you could say people sort of living in living it rough. Yep. Mm. And you have the the high class here eating plates of gold and silver. Yeah. Um, in that context, um, I think it's 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 heartwarming to know, and I think there should be more of this. That when an organization such as yours goes out, it knows that it has a role bigger than just to hand out money. Yeah. It has a role to actually talk about. The role of Islam in our lives, and um, and the role of how we can actually do something bigger, and like like address realities, like economic realities and policies and stuff like that. And you know, you know, like there's a reason why you accepted to be on the podcast because you think it's important to actually raise awareness about these to things to get this out there, rather yeah. than just go and hand out money. Yeah. So I just uh, more of a I don't know if it's a comment or a question. If you want to say anything about that, but 
you know, I think yeah, no, it makes to be sense. holistic like yeah, that, yeah, it's so important. Definitely. Yeah, so important. Definitely. And look, even يعني, we need to understand as well, right? Uh, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the companions, if we want to use today's terminology of homelessness, yep. right? In the time when they were boycotted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They yeah. weren't in their homes. They yeah. were originally in their homes in Mecca. Then they were boycotted. Where were they? Not in their home. They were no, in the valleys. Yeah, the valley. yeah, yeah right. Streets. So they yeah. weren't living in a home, yeah. homeless. Mm. Yeah. Then they left their homes to go to another place. So were they refugees? Mm. Yeah. If you want to chuck a label of today, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So once again, we need to kind of like, you know, wake up a bit, start looking at things a bit differently and look at it as an opportunity. And for yeah. us, we've got many organizations, uh, you know, Salvation Army, St. Vinny's, Red Cross um, and all the other non-Muslim organizations out on the street. And yeah. they'll say it clearly. We're here to spread the, lo- the love of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus yeah. No problem. We we're, are here as we? well yeah. to spread the love of all the prophets and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? So we should be out there representing Muslims. Yep, yep. If I can just summarize it, I think um, there's um, you know important sort of um, it, it is a very complex issue, um, and there's a conversation to be ha- had around some of those complexities. But I don't think we should allow those complexities to stop us from getting out there and doing the good work. Yeah. Um, of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> they say the good, the work of the good Lord. You know, say, the work of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, um, you know, jokes aside, like this is the work of the Prophet ﷺ. This is noble work to go out there to help those in need. Um, and so, inshallah, um, we'll probably end it there, inshallah. Yep. Unless you had some saving. Um, no, I was just gonna final comments. Like just, just from my perspective, I think so much of this comes down to like a function of, and this is a bigger discussion, I guess. Maybe we can have some other discussion in some other uh, form, but just e- economics, right? Just that whole resources, this and that, like capitalism is a way to organize society and it's always going to protect the holders of capital. Mm. And that's naturally going to result in people who have it tough. And I just think that's an inevitable reality. And unless we sort of really like laser focus at times on that as well, like I'm not saying you look at the politics and you ignore the people who are sitting on the streets needing help. Mm. But I think that you really have to look at those people whilst also keeping in mind that they are there because of a particular systematic reality. Um, but yeah, that's a whole discussion yeah. for a whole other. I tell podcast. him, I tell him final comments, <laughs> Sorry, and he drops the economics no, no, textbook it's on so us. Like, no, yeah. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. You know, when you were saying it's so important to go out to the kids, like they're the next generation, they're going to carry this work. I think a lot of the kids naturally have these questions on their minds. You know, the kind of question that we're asking today yeah. about what kind of what is it about the economic system that's actually led to this? So, khair, it runs parallel. The work runs parallel to yeah. that intellectual. Um, da'wah inshallah um, We'll end it on that note Absolutely yes, I have no more Economics textbooks to drop <laughs> Absolutely loved Having you here tonight Brother <laughs> Dean Jazakum khair For coming He trekked it on the way um, <laughs> I, was, I called him at, um, About 10-15 minutes out And he's like I'm just I'm on my way And he was trekking it So mashallah It's like 10 degrees or something And he's oh, out no, there And his t-shirt, <laughs> t-shirt. Um, Jazakum khair Once again for coming Thank you very Absolutely much. lovely having you Assalamu alaikum I'm going to try to reach out Whilst still maintaining my voice. Do that as well. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Yalla. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum.